session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tulaku, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or to suggest topics or books for the program. The shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let's get to the books of the week. The book of the week for this week is... The Myth of Normal by Gabor, Gabor Mate with Daniel Mate. The Myth of Normal Trauma, Illness, and Healing in a Toxic Culture. And uh, Gabor Mate um, is actually a wonderful uh, doctor. He talks a lot about psychological issues, and I, I highly recommend you check out some of his talks. Uh, I've always enjoyed seeing him, and so when I saw he had a new book coming out, wanted to read it. it's on the longer side so i had to pick it on a week where i could make that happen but looking forward to reading it and discussing it with you soon the myth of normal by gabor mate all right the book of the week for this past week that i'll talk about tonight is viral justice by ruha benjamin viral justice how we grow the world we want and i talk about half jokingly half seriously how i do judge books by their cover. Um, usually I mean the name and the author and reading a bit about it because I don't know much other than that. Uh, in this case, I know the author read her book Race After Technology, you might recall, a few years ago. But also the cover itself, the art is just beautiful. I hope you'll check it out and also get the book itself. Had the great honor to go to an event about the book this past Friday where the author, Ruha Benjamin, read some excerpts from the book and talked about it a bit and then was in conversation with actor Rain Wilson, who you might know from the show The Office. He plays Dwight. And so they had a nice conversation about the book and even got to get the book signed. So kind of geeking out on that. That was kind of cool to meet the author of this book. So um, I hope you will read it and really enjoy it as much as I did. As the subtitle says, How We Grow the world we want. And so she has this part early in the book where she talks about what led her to write this book or the theme of this book. When you say viral justice, what does that mean? So here's uh, early in the book, an excerpt. If the COVID-19 pandemic has taught us anything, it's that something almost undetectable can be deadly and that we can transmit it without even knowing. Doesn't this imply that small things Seemingly minor actions, decisions, and habits could have exponential effects in the other direction, tipping the scales toward justice, affirming life, fostering well-being, and invigorating society. The pages that follow answer yes, yes, yes. Though like some of you, perhaps I've sometimes found myself thinking, no, no way, no chance. And so I thought that's a really uh, nice analogy and sentiment that we saw with COVID-19. Of course, we know viruses, bacteria, we might not see them, but could cause great havoc and damage. Something invisible or something that's invisible to the naked eye can be so deadly and harmful. But as she says, well, what if things go the other way as well? That if you do small things, that can also go viral, not in the sense of a 
a video going viral, but in the sense that that act of kindness or justice or goodness can also go viral in the other direction. So I really thought that is a nice sentiment. And she goes throughout the book, looking at different issues, often affecting um, black Americans, but not just black Americans, really showing how it affects all of us because we're interconnected and talking about problems, different issues, things like the uh, prison industrial complex, medical uh, discrepancies in how people are treated based on things like um, income level, things related to race as well, even that black Americans or black individuals, when they're patients at times, uh, it's been shown that when they report feeling pain, it's undervalued uh, by physicians, that they see it as less distressing than if the same uh, uh, act of pain or the same expression of pain came from a non-black patient. And so she goes through these different aspects of life where we can see um, injustices that still are taking place in the United States. But then also in each chapter, there's many stories of individuals, groups of people, organizations who are practicing viral justice, doing small things that sometimes become really big things, but starting with small things to do small actions in a positive direction to make positive change. And also in, in um, the author's note to start the book, I found this quite fascinating that usually if you read a book, there's ways that, of course, there's the chapters, but usually within chapters, there are sections or there are some ways that they uh, put breaks within the chapter. And so um, here she has, uh, she says there's a symbol which is the Siamese crocodiles, um, and gives some of the background of that coming from the Gaiaman people of the Bono region, uh, which uh, is are in Ghana and the Ivory Coast. But the Siamese crocodiles, um, it looks almost like a circle. If you don't pay attention, you might not realize what it is, but it's basically two crocodiles that share one stomach. So it says here, the Siamese crocodiles share one stomach, yet they fight over food. Like a chorus repeating throughout the text, they remind us of our interconnectedness and our foolishness as human beings. So they share one stomach, but they still fight over food. And so it's how we as humans tend to fight over things, not recognizing our interconnectedness, that when we are one of us is suffering, inevitably means all of us will suffer or be hurt by it. So although we share the same stomach, we will fight over food, resources, will turn a blind eye to people's suffering and, and going through injustice um, when really we should recognize that really it's one one stomach. We are all interconnected in that way. So I thought that was interesting and it's in every chapter, every break in the chapter has one of these uh, these symbols of the Siamese crocodiles. But as I was mentioning, goes through different chapters looking at things like um, the title of one chapter is Trust near the end of the book. It's one of the last chapters. And that's the one that's related to the um, discrepancies in, in treatment that individuals experience based on race in the United States. And also the ways that um, especially black bodies have been used in things like medical research without consent. There's the, the famous Tuskegee study, which of course gave syphilis to um, individuals to see how it would uh, be go through their bodies essentially how they would respond to it but also talks about Flint Michigan where the water levels were um, f had lead in them that was of course harming the children but it was accepted or was somehow acceptable until whistleblowers 
uh, made it clear that it was not okay. And that often research is done on individuals without their understanding of what's going on or consent. And so uh, the quote to, to start the chapter is, we want to be at the table, not on the table, meaning that individuals should be part of the decision-making process of what happens to their bodies or how they might be researched or acted upon, um, not on the table as in like the medical table or the examining table. And so she shares the stories of individuals whose bodies have been used in medical work and really just used maybe is the right word because they were not given uh, the type of respect and were just treated in some way in a very um, disrespectful way without their consent in a lot of a lot of matters so that that itself was heartbreaking along with the, the statistics i've heard many times about black mothers um, dying in childbirth and black children experiencing higher uh, mortality infant mortality much higher among black children and black mothers than non-black even when you account for socioeconomic status and so this is something quite um, quite heartbreaking and and something that we must take seriously. And I was very much uh, interested in learning about doulas who she talked about and had a few pages also sharing her own experience being a young black mother. And she um, really weaves a lot of her own personal history and stories, even her father's early death and untimely death, uh, her own pregnancy, and then having children experiences she's had with that. But talking about doulas was quite interesting for me also because in a personal sense, friends of mine, Vahid and Chelsea are expecting twins in uh, less than a month, I believe, sometime in November. And so I'd heard that they they shared with us, they recently had talked with a doula that they liked. And so doulas provide a type of more comprehensive um, prenatal and postnatal type of care. And they are much more uh, connected to the individual rather than the sometimes very sterilized version of Western medicine, looking at pregnancy, almost like an illness or like a, uh, some kind of just pure medical procedure. But doulas are known that they will be connecting with the patient in a much more collaborative way. It's about the relationship. It's about connecting to the mother and the family, recognizing the little things that need to be done to help make the whole process Um, go better for them and for the kids as well. And so I thought that was such a nice act or demonstration of this concept of viral justice because they're little things, but they're really, really big things. And that's, to me, one of the notions of this viral justice concept is that what seems like small things, each individual thing, adds up to very, very big things. And so a doula might do hundreds of little things that wouldn't be done without their presence. And each one itself might seem small, some might feel kind of big, but altogether becomes something quite significant. And so there's also this theme early in the book, she talks about find your plot or what's your plot. Not what's your plot, like what's your story or your storyline, but more like a plot of land. What will you tend to and what will you try to grow? And even the cover that I was saying is quite beautiful. We see a kind of a silhouette of someone's face or or, or head and neck and shoulders. And we see flowers growing out of them, plants and beautiful flowers growing out of them. So we all have to think of, well, what is my plot? What am I going to do? And it's something I've talked about recently in light of 
what's happening in Iran and those of us outside of Iran trying to support or be helpful. And very often we can feel that, well, what difference does it make? Or uh, how much am I doing? Or does it really make an impact when we think of something like retweeting or posting something on social media or signing a petition? Each one of these actions are very small and individually don't do very much. But collectively, they can have a huge impact. So I've been urging us to not focus purely on results, especially tangible, immediate results, because often we don't get those, but instead focusing on our responsibility. How much can I do? What can I do? And what is my responsibility based on who I am and what I'm capable of doing? And how do I make that happen to me, that responsibility to its fullest? And to me, I felt that type of sentiment echoed in this book, that you can't just focus on how huge the thing is you're about to do really when you think about it most people in most of our lives we don't get to do some huge thing that you know is going to be in history books the one action in and of itself that's a very rare thing and so if we're waiting for those moments we will largely remain inactive we won't do very much because there aren't going to be that many opportunities to do something like that and so if we focus on the results and focus on doing something that we can see the results very quickly we will very likely do a whole lot of nothing. We won't do much because we're waiting for something big to come our way. Not realizing that one, we can keep doing little things that have an impact. And two, it's often a lot of those little things that add up to create something really big. So if we're waiting for the opportunity for something huge to cross our path, we likely will miss a lot of the little opportunities to do good and to good, do good that might turn into something really big. And not only that, looking at something like what's happening in Iran and other things, like she talks a lot about fighting racism in the United States and white supremacy in the United States, we can be part of something that's quite big. It will be in history books, but your small contributions might not in and of themselves make it in the pages, but they will be part of that story. And so we can think, what can I do? So I think it's up to each of us to find that plot that she talks about. What is it that you care about and you want to do? What I think is important as she outlines in each chapter, it doesn't just start with what good people are doing. It's, well, what's what's wrong? What's not um, happening? What are we pretending not to know today? I think there's a quote in the book. We often try to avoid or not look at injustices and things that are happening because they're either unpleasant or it's an inconvenience or we're not sure we can do anything about it. So the first step is we have to look at the injustices that are there and not turn away, not pretend like they're not there or not pretend like somehow they're okay, as we tend to do. Justify the sufferings, justify the in, uh, injustices that we, we see or are around us. And so we have to find those problems, find what's going on, and then do something about it. And each of us can do it in our own way. I think that's what's so nice about the book. There's probably a hundred different examples or stories of individuals doing things, some very, very small and some quite large, but still might have started small. But people doing different things using their abilities, talents, skills, resources, the things they're passionate about, care about. Sadly, often people experience something painful, lose a loved one or see themselves go through something that then inspires them to do something about it, to turn that pain into passion, into action. But hopefully we all can find our plot even before we necessarily have to go through something because there's something we can do now and it is good for us to start as soon as we can. And I would recommend reading the book to see more of 
uh, what this concept looks like and what people are doing. It's a very enjoyable read. Um, Ruha Benjamin writes in a very, she talks about poetry throughout the book, but a lot of her writing is very poetic as well. So I, I highly recommend this book, Viral Justice, How We Grow the World We Want by Ruha Benjamin. Let's go to a commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call, doctor. My pleasure. Um, okay, so I'll try to keep this short and just explain the only important things, but um, I'm a man in my mid-twenties in the U.S., mm-hmm. and uh, recently I was um, dating a woman. We'd been talking for a few months, and um, she ended things abruptly because I did something that stressed her out, which um, I asked some of my friends and family, and they said it really wasn't that big of a deal, and she was probably overreacting, but um, I tried to apologize and resolve things, but that didn't work, and I feel bad about what happened. Okay. But I also but don't before, expect any... Yeah. yeah. Before we get there, just so I get some context, you said you were dating for a few months. Like, was it um, a relationship? Did you Were you an exclusive relationship? What, just so I get an idea of what type of a... No, no, okay. it wasn't exclusive. It was in the earlier stages. Earlier stages. Okay. And you are in mid-20s also. She was around the same age? Yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Let me know. Yeah, it seems like you did something... You don't think it was that big of a deal, but apparently she got upset. But let's hear what it was. Yeah, go ahead. Um, But yeah, I tried to resolve things, but it didn't work. Um, But I feel bad about what happened, but I don't expect anything uh, in the outcome to change because she also said she's not ready for a commitment and she doesn't really think this will go anywhere. But... um, I was wondering, do you think I should try to apologize and be open to a friendship in the future once um, I'm no longer like hung up on this, or um, what do you think I should do? Well, of course, I mean that. Uh, there's a lot of um, things to consider there. What's most important is what do you want, which we can talk about, uh, you know. And of course, then she would have to be open to what it is that you want. But um, can you? Did you want to talk about what happened? That you, what you did. Um. Yeah, I I shared some, uh, basically I just told uh, one of my friends that um, we were dating and she wasn't really comfortable with that. Okay. Was it someone that she also knew? Yeah. Okay. So you told a mutual friend that you were dating and um, she was not happy about that. Now, had you and her discussed anything about keeping things private or if you would tell people about what was going on? Um, not explicitly, but I was under the impression that, um, she didn't, uh, really care that much because she had expressed that sentiment in the past, but, um, I feel I probably should have been more clear about that. Okay. When you say, like, you thought she didn't care, like she would be okay if you told people? Yeah. Like she, like she didn't care what other people thought about it. So. Okay. So you, you didn't think it was a big deal, um, telling your... Your friend. Okay, so then what was her her reaction? What happened? Um, at first, um, you know, she didn't say anything, but after a few days, um, I don't know, she was kind of distant, and then she told me later all of this. And, um, 
you know, she, she didn't, um, you know, seem very happy and want to um, try to resolve things. She seemed like she just wanted to end it. Okay. So she expressed that she was upset that you told the mutual friend? Yeah. Okay. Um, and that was it? There was no, she said that's it? Or was there a conversation? Did you explain from your side or anything? Because the way you're making it sound like that was like the end for her, but I'm just trying to see if there was some some conversation or anything that happened or just she just said that's it yeah um there were there were a few messages exchanged but um yeah it seemed like it wasn't really um going anywhere okay all right so she what were those messages like i mean was it her saying why she was upset you trying to understand Uh, i'm trying to it's still not clear to me exactly how things ended or if she just said because of that or was there anything else going on um yeah i mean she said that she felt uncomfortable because of that and um like i tried to like understand why and um apologize but i will admit at the time i was also defensive so i probably wasn't in the best um you know situation to be listening and Mm -hmm. like um truly apologizing so i don't know yeah okay so that um, conversation didn't go so well and then after that things just ended at that point yeah essentially okay um, and how long ago was this about a week ago okay so it's pretty recent H- how are you feeling about all that um, I'm, I'm trying to move past it but I also um, I, I felt bad about what happened so I think mm-hmm. I was considering just um, giving like an honest, genuine apology and, you know, not really expecting anything to change, but just to say, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, if that's how how you do genuinely feel, I think that would be a good step. And, you know, you said you want to get past this, which I can totally understand often to really get past something. Really, what we need to do is go through it, meaning that, um, you know, you'll have to process it yourself. You might have to have a conversation with her if she's open to it, which would can help get some closure too, or at least explain your side and you might feel more at peace about it. Um, so tell me, do you, you know, we're talking about this apology. How do you feel? Do you feel like I did something wrong? I mean, it does seem like, at least from what you've shared with me, not knowing all of the details, it seems like there it was a gray area because you're saying it wasn't like it was explicit not to tell anyone. Now maybe she thought that you would know that, but you're saying you thought she would be okay with it. So it seems at least from your side, you definitely were not intentionally doing something harmful or hurtful to her. Um, but tell me what, from your side, before we look at what she's, you know, what you might say to her, what that conversation would look like, what what are you thinking with, it hasn't been that much time, but with a week's time about what happened and, and what you did? Um, so what, what was the question? Yeah, it was a pretty long one. <laughs> so I was saying, what, you know, what are you thinking now? It's been about a week, like about what you did, like this whole talking to telling a friend. And was there anything else or was just you told a friend that you and her were dating? Um, I didn't really tell him much. That was uh, basically it. I tried to keep the details as private as possible. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but, now, um, yeah, yeah, now how do you feel about that, reflecting on that, you know, telling him? Do you feel like, okay, that was wrong, I shouldn't have done that? Is it still a little bit unclear, but you're trying to understand her perspective? Yeah. 
Well, well, now I do because I definitely didn't want to do anything that she wasn't comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if I had known, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. And, you know, and often in these situations, even like when you talk to your family or your friends or family, which I understand you're trying to, it seems like you were a bit confused, like, oh, I did not think I was doing something hurtful or harmful and she made you feel like you, you did. And so you're trying to really, you know, we do that right Wait, did, did I really mess up? Was it that bad? And so a lot of your family and friends seems like they're telling you, no, it wasn't that bad. She made it a bigger deal than it needed to be. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes we get focused on this, like, was I wrong? Was I bad? Is it her fault? Is it my fault? Is she sensitive? Am I the, you know, the wrongdoer? And often getting so focused on this, who's to blame, we might lose sight of what's more important, which is like, what happened between you and her? How do you feel? How does she feel? Like under, mutual understanding is going to be more important than some kind of verdict, like you're guilty or not guilty, or, you know, it's on her to be, you know, more okay with it. So, um, in that conversation from what you're saying, and I don't know, was it over text, that conversation that you had where she said she was unhappy? Yeah, it was over text. Yeah. I, I would have preferred to, sure. you know, talk about it over the phone, but she didn't want to. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I feel like, um, even texting about mundane things, there's a lot of room for miscommunication and things to get lost, especially with something that has any uh, significance or is more sensitive topic. It really can be important, obviously in person, even better, but to do it over the phone um, makes it where there's going to be less miscommunication. Of course, it still happens even that way, but makes it a lot better than just over text. But when you're saying she didn't want to, was she just like, I don't even want to talk to you, period? Or was more, I don't want to get into this issue? Um. Yeah, I, I think she just didn't want to deal with it at the moment. She didn't want to have the stress and everything. Okay. Now, let me ask you, how did you feel, you know, getting to know her? Were you very interested? Were you, you know, it seems like you wanted the relationship to continue. What, what's your feeling about her in general, even now? Like, is it you'd like to continue if it's possible? Well, <clears throat> I did like her, and I suppose the answer to that question is still yes, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I still have some of these feelings. But, um, I mean, in general, you know, things were things were kind of good, not perfect. I mean, there could have, there was, I guess there may have been some other potential problems too. Nothing was perfect, but um, I don't know. It's just, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, relationships uh, will never be perfect, yeah. obviously, um, but that that doesn't mean any problems are okay either. So, what what were the concerns you had in the relationship? Um, well, she seems. Um, indecisive and also um a little bit narcissistic and maybe um a dismissive avoidant type of personality but i can't you know diagnose any of those things for sure but um you know some of the traits appear like that yeah and 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 the diagnosing of it might be less important than your experience with her what was those things i mean those sound like depending on the degree they could be pretty significant things so I don't know if it felt that way. What did you like about her? What do you like about her? Um, I felt like we were really good friends also. Like we had a, a good understanding of each other and, um, you know, common values and interests. Okay. What did you like about her as a friend or as a person you'd get close to? Um... 
I don't know. I mean, I just feel like we understood each other very okay. well. I mean, but maybe not as well as I thought. I'm not sure. You came up with the the negative things fairly quickly. It was hard for you to think of the the more positive things um, that you you know saw in her. So, how long were you and or have you and her been friends? Um, like a couple of years. Couple of years. Okay. Um, and then wh- whose idea or who pushed for it to become more romantic? It was mine. Mine, okay. Your your idea. Then she was open to it, or what was her? Was she very open to it? Was it like a, a clear thing? Was it unclear? She said, "Let's give it a shot." Um. Yeah, she was open to it, but it seemed like she also, you know, wanted to take it slow. Okay. Yeah, which I mean, when you're friends, sometimes you can it can go faster because you already know each other, but it could be important to take it slow. Um, but you're saying you feel like she was more hesitant. You were more wanting this to happen yeah okay and so something i'm hearing in the way you're talking about it's almost like you don't want to lose this maybe more than you want to have it like that that it's actually the right type of relationship so you might have liked her for a while and then things started and so you were like so excited Uh, maybe that's even why you told your friend you know you were excited happy and you didn't think it was something she would be against um Mm -hmm. but the way i'm hearing you talk about things it seems like like i said the negative things came up now i don't know if it was because of this experience that you're seeing her that way you said like more of the narcissistic selfish side um i don't know if this experience made you see her that way or did you see her that way before this happened well um i i did see the narcissistic tendencies before this also Mm -hmm. but um i didn't really see that as a huge deal um because um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like a, like I like to give to other people, so I don't really mind, you know, giving other people attention. That wasn't um, like a huge deal to me. Okay. Now, I mean, yeah, and that itself, it, you're saying it kind of worked, but these types of things they they tend not to work. So in general, I mean, again, we're not diagnosing her, but if you're saying there's a narcissism, that's like a a tough quality to be in a relationship with because you want someone that. Uh, creates a mutual type of relationship so it's going both ways and someone who is more on the narcissistic side is going to focus more on them and you're saying well I was comfortable making it about her but this is what usually happens is we're comfortable making about them until we're not because over time we we need something too so you know we're at a commercial break and I don't want us to to stop here so I'm going to put you on hold in just a second but I want you to think more about what what is it that would make you want this relationship and I do want to get to your question of you know, what should you do next as far as uh, apologizing? And, and now that I know you were friends before, I understand you're saying going back to possibly free, being friends, that can be challenging too. So we'll come back after the break. I want you to think a bit about what would make you want this relationship to even work. And, and is it maybe showing us some things about you more than about her being the right person for you? So we'll talk a bit after the break, okay? Okay. Thank All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to them now. Caller, are you still there? Caller, are you there? Yeah. Oh, there I'm we go. Here. All right. So before the break, you were talking about um situation you were going through. You were dating someone for a few months that you had been friends with for a few years. You told um, a mutual friend about that your, your relationship or that you were dating. 
and she was very upset by this and uh, over text shared that with you you said you were defensive um, and things ended it seems at that point and you're it seems a bit confused bewildered of what to do um, you know I, I asked you before the break to think about what makes you want this relationship because what you described to me I couldn't get a a hold of why you would think she's a good match for you or a good partner for you other than having mutual some uh, I guess uh, interests and things or getting each other which is important but also I, I think knowing each other for a while so yeah tell me what what you thought about um, over the break about you and her and what you think made you want to be with her yeah so uh, I thought about those things mm-hmm. um, why I like her and also uh, what I wanted from the relationship. And um, some of the things um, include that we were both, you know, looking for something potentially like for the long term. Mm-hmm. And also um, what I what I got out of it for, for the while that it lasted at least was, um, you know, I, I had like a feeling of like companionship and, you know, someone that I was uh, like pursuing like romantically and I also felt, um, in some ways, like she was someone who would challenge me to grow and become like a better person and someone who I could talk to about like a lot of different topics and like she would understand, like we were on a similar, um, level of understanding in terms of, um, you know, technical things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you know, you mentioned the companionship and things and wanting the same things. Those are important. And that's something I got the sense that it was, you know, it seemed like you liked her and she was interested. And so there's something there often we're, we're looking for that companionship, although we want to make sure the person we choose as a companion is the right match for us. And, and I'm, I, I still, I, you know, you brought up some things that are important, but get the sense that something wasn't quite there. The feeling I almost get is that you liked her for a while and then things kind of happened and then so you know I, I don't know if that that's that's right but did you like her for a while even when you were friends or no did it become romantic for you or, or did you get interested in her shortly before dating no I was interested in her for a while yeah because that's the feeling I almost got was like you liked her for a while and so the idea of being with her was interesting and exciting and then so you're finally dating her and it was like so you know nice and you're like I, I just can't lose this thing I want to have this and in a way what I'm asking you to think about is really was she the right person for you based on some of the characteristics you shared about her her personality and even sometimes the people we get attracted to can tell us something about ourselves like you said you'd like to give which uh, sounds good but it could also mean that you might be more comfortable in a relationship where you're giving more than you're getting and it might be that not just you like to give, but it's hard for you to receive, hard for you to be the one that gets taken care of in a relationship. What do you think about that? Is it easy for you to, to be taken care of in a relationship, let someone do things for you and be more the receiver? In theory, like that is something that I want, but sure. if, if I get that too much, then I also feel uncomfortable. Okay. Well, yeah, too much. I mean, obviously, if it's two, that means it's it's an excess. So that would be true. The thing is, I wonder if too much might come for you very quickly. You know, and I'm, I think you said it in a way that makes sense. Theoretically, like if I asked you, of course, say, yeah, you want a relationship that's mutual and both people take care of one another. But I get the sense that it might not be as comfortable for you. And so that's something I'd want you to, you know, bigger picture, think about where does that possibly come from? 
um, what makes it hard for you to to see possibly your value in the relationship to allow someone to take care of you in a mutual way. Yeah, not too much where it's just about you either. That's not healthy, but where there's more more of a balance. Um, and as I said, I got the sense that with her um, liking her for a while, this is a very common thing. If you like someone for a while and then you finally get them, it's like it th we think it's the dream because we've been dreaming about them, but we sometimes don't realize that we've also dreamt them up a little bit, that maybe they're not what we thought or what we imagined or being with them isn't as good as we we felt but then i got the sense that you just didn't want to lose it now let's go back to what you'd like to do because i think that's a, that's a good question a week has passed and and you want to to do something it seems like possibly communicate with her so tell me what what is it that you'd like to do and then also what's your intention or what do you hope to see happen um well, I would like to, um, you know, just tell her I'm sorry for, you know, damaging our trust and, um, you know, like making you feel this way and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but also, um, you know, just to, um, you know, like ask for forgiveness, not necessarily because I want things to go back to the way they were, but so that maybe... Um, you know, we can move past this and one day be friends again. Okay. Um, yeah, so you'd like to apologize. Uh, you know, I think I'd also, you know, want you to, if she gives you that space to have a conversation, to really make sure you understand where she was coming from. Because I think some of what you were saying was that you didn't think it would be an issue. Did she say why she didn't want that mutual friend to know? Was it just she didn't want anyone to know? Or she wanted you guys to still figure things out? Was it... Are you clear at all at what specifically she didn't like about you telling him? Um, that part I'm not too clear about. Okay. And so that's something also, if she's willing, it seems that you'd like to get some clarity so you you know, can understand. So you're saying you could understand that she didn't like it, but you even want to understand better what was going on from her end so you can understand what happened. Um and, you know, you can have this conversation. First of all, if she's willing to have it, that's the first part. If she doesn't want you to have the conversation, obviously you can't force that. You can ask for it or just say that it's important for you. But she makes that decision. And then the result, I, I want you to not focus too much on that result because if the result is, okay, we're going to be together again or I can make this happen again, um, that also wouldn't mean that you're in the conversation fully because I'd want you to evaluate how you see her responding would you be right together anyway, even if she's open to that? Um, you know, because there's a lot of things for you still to figure out. You did mention the companionship, so I don't know if that's just something that uh, you're, you're looking for. Have you been in a long-term relationship before that was a committed long-term relationship? No, I have not. Okay. And so even more, that would make it understandable that you really wanted this um, to work, uh, someone that you were attracted to for quite some time had not been in a romantic relationship and was going in that direction. So I can get that you were really wanting this and still want it. And maybe that's what made it even more painful to lose it in a way that it seemed like, well, what happened here? Like, you didn't even really get what happened. Uh, and it seemed like it just slipped through your fingers all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And so maybe now you're trying to like, okay, undo that. So if I apologize now and, and talk to her, maybe it'll undo it, but it might not. I, as I said, I would only want you to apologize if you really felt genuine that you felt you did something wrong and you understand it. Um, and just, I think, to have a conversation to clarify 
what's happening or what happened and see what can happen going forward. And now since then, have you and her not talked? And did she say anything about ending the friendship too? Is that clear? Um, we haven't talked since then, but um, the last uh, thing she said was um, like we could be friends, but um, she doesn't really see it going anywhere other than that. Okay. Um, how does that sound to you? Well, I'm I'm accepting. I'm I'm still in the process of accepting that. So I I also will need some time before we can be friends again. But I I don't want to rule it out entirely. Okay. Like in the future. Got it. Yeah, it's something that you know you want to be careful about. Often, you know, I remember being in this position when I was you know in high school, college. Like you might like someone, but maybe you can't you're not dating them and so at least you want to be friends with them to be closer to them in some some way but it it tends to be more painful over time to be friends with that person if we still like them or would rather be with them you know we're, we're always feeling in a slight way rejected if they start dating someone else it doesn't feel good and it could potentially prevent you from finding someone where you could have something have you know, mutual type of relationship. Obviously, you're both into each other and want to be with each other. So sometimes we can get preoccupied with this this person that we're just friends with, and it might take away from our possibilities and prospects of being in a relationship that's more satisfying or, you know, actually we can be in. So that's another thing, like I said, I want you to think about not just, okay, what can I do to make things right again, whether that's being romantically together or friendship, um, it's possible that could work or be a good thing, but I wouldn't want you to just go towards that because of that companionship or missing her, because I'm not sure if it would be best for you to continue a friendship with someone who you like, if it's going to make you feel the ways that I mentioned, it might make you feel. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I definitely need to be um, in the right mindset for that and not do it as um you know, I'll feel uncomfortable or rejected or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these types of friendships could be... I mean, friendships after you've been romantic can be difficult anyway, no matter what the situation and the circumstances. So usually it's tough to have that. Um, I do get a sense of like trying to make something that was wrong right for you, which I can get, and having that companionship again. And I'd want you to reflect on some of these things of how you see yourself, how you value yourself as someone in a relationship I could see that if you haven't been in a relationship before, then even more you might have been willing to be in a relationship where it was more about her than you. I don't mind being the giver, as you said, because you really just wanted to make it work, make it happen, which, you know, that's why we have to have these first experiences sometimes to just uh, experience it, go through it, and then it won't feel like we haven't had it before. And possibly the next time we can approach things differently and rather than just seeking companionship, seeking the right companionship and the right companion, someone who um, we can have a better relationship with, better match with, makes us feel good, we make them feel good. I do get the sense that there's some things that you might undervalue yourself when it comes to dating. Yeah, um, I was definitely trying to put other people's needs first out of mine, and I don't think that's a good strategy in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work in the long term. We build up resentment. You know, we say, oh, this feels good. It feels comfortable at the beginning. If we're, let's say, 
maybe think they won't want to be with us unless we make it more about them, or we're not sure they're going to want to take care of us, or we sometimes will see someone above us, so okay, they're better than me, so obviously I have to give more than they give. And so at the beginning, you feel okay, especially it's like, oh, I'm getting this person and being with this person that I think is so great and maybe even better than me in some way or wasn't sure I can be with. But then over time, we're going to feel a a resentment that our needs aren't getting met or that it's always on us to do you know something for them and all these different things that will lead to realize it wasn't really a relationship to begin with it was more of just kind of a, a, a symbiotic relationship you were taking care of them and they were taking care of you but not in a way that was a mutual relationship so that's something i'd want you to reflect on coming back to her i think having a conversation would be good to have more closure so you can ask her for that. You can let her know, I've thought about it for a little bit. However, feels genuine and right to you. Thought about things a bit, and I didn't want us to end it the way we did. Maybe we can kind of, we could have a conversation at some point. And I hope she would be open to having it either in person or over the phone so it could be more comprehensive and not leave so much to, to misinterpretation as can happen on text. So hopefully she'll give you that space. Of course, you have to respect if she doesn't to get that clarity. I get the sense the partnership wasn't the right one or to date would be not be the right thing but it's just based on some quick things that you said i would actually want you to think more about um recognizing your own strength and goodness in a relationship and any insecurities and things you might have in that department so we do have to wrap up the, the show it's the end of the show for tonight but um thing for you to reflect on to work on if you haven't been to therapy, I go to therapy myself. I think it's a great thing to do to reflect on yourself more deeply and understand and uncover some of the things that might be related to this situation. So I'd encourage you to do that if you haven't already and wish you the best with that. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you so much. You're You've given me a lot to think about and reflect. Thank you. Okay, good luck with that. Nice talk and you have a good night. All right, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. A big thank you to Ghazaleh here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Farid Zalakwi, Zan Zendegi Azadi.